Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Can we welcome Pastor Gareth? Thank you, man, Steve. Hey, thank you. You know, the, the biggest mistake I ever made was saying, uh, yes, Nick, I'll go to Zambia with you on a mission trip. That was uh, about 12 years ago, whatever. And then, and do you know what uh, Nick, he had said to me, Pastor Nick, he had said to me, he says, Gareth, and he said to the team, Africa has a way of stealing your heart. And that is true. Uh, my heart has been there since. And uh, it's, a, it's a wild story. Yeah, we bought a tractor, an old Massey Ferguson. Uh, Pastor Nick asked me, would I get a tractor? I says, yeah, sure. I says, I'll even drive it down to you. And I literally drove it. It was a 22-and-a-half-hour drive to Cork City here. Uh, it was New Year's Day, 2008, I believe. And we shipped it out to Zambia. And then we took the team over uh, to minister. And that's where I met uh, my brother who's here today, Elijah. And I have the privilege to introduce him as a fantastic and a great friend. Um, I heard his story first when I was in Lusaka. We were taking the bus uh, with uh, Tom Larkin from Times Square Church onto the streets. And uh, he was telling me his testimony. And we were heading to these wastelands. And when we got there, I seen all these little children pop up their heads behind these dumps. And they came running forward, about 150 kids or more. Tiny little children. I says, where's their parents or what's going on? They said, no one owns them. They're, they're orphans. Uh, they live here. And it was there that uh, I didn't know it, but my heart was stolen. Literally from that point, I never forget it. And I remember, I think I've even wrote it in my Bible. It says, Lord, someday when I come back, it's going to be about these children here. We did the ministry. It was great. I loved it with Cork Church. I loved the ministry. And so, like Nick said, that uh, it would steal your heart. So I thought the following year, I'm going to get my heart back. So I want to go back to Africa to get that heart of mine. And we lost contact. There was some things happened, some things fell apart that we didn't know. I lost contact with uh, Elijah. And, uh, do you know, there's one scripture that's been sticking out in my heart all week. And it's about asking, seeking, and knocking. Just let me read this to you, and I'll just, before I hand this over to Elijah. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find knock, like these boys are knocking doors, and it says the door will be open to you. And I want you to hear this tonight from the youngest to the oldest. The scriptures say for everyone, not just the pastors, not just the leaders, not just the evangelists, for everyone. As young as you are tonight and you hear this message, gosh, if you get the heart for mission, it's like Indiana Jones for Jesus. I'm telling you, it's an adventure of a lifestyle. We do have a church back home. We run the, the organizations here in the south. But see, mission, gosh, I come to life. That's all I talk about. It's, it's the stories. It's the, the deliverance of God, meeting people, meeting you on the road, the provision. And there's so many will be here all night to talk about them, just what he's doing these last months for everyone who asks receives. And it says further then, but the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, this door will be open. When I lost contact with, uh, with Elijah, I just, for somehow, God closed that door. I was knocking, I was searching, I was seeking for 10 years. 
I have multiple times. I tried every but what way. And I just in my heart, I thought, I need to connect with this brother, Elijah. I didn't know why. I only met him a few times. But it had stolen my heart. These children, these street orphans, these abandoned kids, there was something. I knew God called me through James 1.27, orphans and widows. I loved the church, but there was something drawing me to mission. So for 10 years, I asked the Lord. I kept knocking doors, kicking doors. I tried everything, but they didn't open. Until the first week of COVID, when it hit in 2020, we have charity shops. I run drop-in ministries in the Republic. We have these shops. We depend upon them for our feeding programs in Burkina Faso, Eastern Europe, all over parts of Africa. And uh, they all shut down. And you know when the Lord closes one door, another opens. And it was that very week that there was a street boy who I remember from the old Kakabalika Foundation where we did when we brought that tractor to. He got on social media. He wanted to befriend some people. He seen me. I said, yes. First thing he asked him is, do you have, are you still in contact with Elijah? He said, yeah, I'll get you his phone number. And sure enough, and the first week of the lockdown, when all our businesses closed and church closed up and the mission got shut down, God opened the most powerful door I could imagine. Ten years waiting for a door to be opened back into Zambia for the street kids. So I phoned me and Elijah talking on the phone. It was joy. It was joy. There was tears on his side. There was tears on my side. We got talking for some time. I says, what about the kids? He says, I haven't stopped. I still go onto the streets and I, and I feed them. With what I have, he says, but I just lost my wife. I says, man, so sorry. Sorry to hear that. And we got talk, and he says, but I still go to work, and sometimes I leave the city, and I work, and I leave the kids. But when I come back, what extra I have, I go to the streets. And he never lost the heart for these street children. And I said, Elijah, I says, I want to take a leap of faith here. For 10 years, I've sought you out. I says, would you come on board full-time as a street pastor? Let us wage you. Let us support you. And that's what happened from the very first week of COVID. The Lord shut one door and opened up another. But I've been waiting 10 years for that door to open. And we've been out in the last couple of years. And we've been over a few times. Our slogan is, there is hope, which there is. There's hope for you. There's hope for Ukraine. There's hope for Burkina Faso with 500,000 Christians fleeing the north which we support out there as well. There's hope for our communities. There's hope for the traveling community. There's hope for our communities where we have the shops. Souls, souls, it's about souls. It's the eternal value of a life. Even these street kids, there's a soul behind that brokenness. But the message of hope is to deal and meet those needs with food and supplies. So we started. And Elijah, I want to bring him forward. He will share his journey. And tonight is about testimony and his incredible story of coming through the genocide up in Burundi and, and his journey through Congo. And it just, that always ministered to me and his heart yet to minister to these children. And we have the kids home. We have a girls home now. We have about 100 kids coming to the program. We built shower blocks all recently. So many things the Lord's opened. But I'm not the one that should be sharing about this tonight. It's the greatest joy from my heart. And I can say, Lord, you have opened that door. And if I can encourage you before Elijah comes forward, it says, don't give up asking the Lord. Don't give up seeking him. Maybe you've knocked once. Maybe you've knocked twice. But keep going until he opens it. If there's things in your heart that's burned out or dried up, you say, God, would you rekindle that in my heart? The season is important. Right now, we're in perilous times. We look across the world. 
There's no better time to preach this gospel and this message of hope in which we inherit everlasting life with Jesus Christ. What a glory, what a joy it is to be a Christian. But the adventure of being a Christian, the adventure of living for him, just when you meet with him and he calls you, my goodness, there is no comparison. So with my brother, Elijah. Um, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to start before you. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you for each and every, uh, everyone present in this place. Yeah. I have no much to say, but to give thanks to the Lord, the Almighty, who has given us this opportunity to stand before you. Um, I want to thank you, first of all, for uh, your prayers, because without your prayers, I can say that I was not going to be here this time, sure. Uh, let's see in the book of uh, um, Ezekiel 37 we see what God is telling us to Ezekiel 37 God has given us an, um, a task um, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And I saw a great many bones on the floor, on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Hallelujah. This was the question that God asked Ezekiel after showing him a great valley of dry bones. Um, I can say that uh, your prayers is not in vain. Out back in Zambia, I can say that uh, <clears throat> when you look at those uh, street children, how they are suffering under that bridge in a place called Soweto, everywhere, everywhere in, that, uh, in Lusaka. So you find that uh, you may compare it uh, with the dry bones, like what we can uh, we, we find in the uh, in Ezekiel, yeah, those are dry bones. So your prayers, uh, I can say that your prayers is like uh, the question which um, God asked Ezekiel: Can these bones live again? So Ezekiel was very clever. He said, only you, God. No. Yeah. It was very clever. Yeah. And uh, 
your prayers, I want to let you know this time that your prayers are not in vain. Your prayers, uh, your prayers are key for these dry bones to come to life again. And uh, what I can say, uh, continue praying for us over there. Yeah, and uh, the reward is from the Lord. Hallelujah. So um, without wasting more of your time, let me uh, tell you uh, what inspired me to do um, the street ministry and uh, why I am here today. I'm, um, my name is Elijah Shinga. I'm from Congo. Yeah. Um, when, bro bro- when war broke in Congo, I was sent my, by my parents to go and do my uh, studies in Burundi. It's uh, just a neighboring country. So I went there, and uh, when I was at school, war broke in Burundi as well. So me, I... I had nowhere to, 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 to go. And uh, when war broke there, I stayed in my room, room five on top there, because we had uh, classes where downstairs and dormitories were upstairs. So I stayed in my room. Yeah, I stayed there uh, about uh, uh, two months, 25 days, about uh, three months, somewhere like that. And... Uh, there were a lot of killings there. They could come in your room. Our rooms, we had a long corridor. And this side, there were 40 rooms. This side were 40 rooms. And each and every room had two windows. A window, an open window to see the outside there. And another small window to the corridor there. And they used to, 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 to come and break that window and throw a grenade inside and you are gone. So when I saw that, there were a big uh, wardrobe in my room. So I could pull it to, to close that, to cover that uh, small window so that uh, they, they can not break uh, that glass and throw a, a grenade inside. And I did it. Um, after that, there were uh, killings went on, and uh, I could peep in my window to see what is happening outside. There were killings, cutting heads, could see head somewhere there, and hand, leg. So I stayed there uh, for about three months, two, two months, 25 days. And uh, I could see dogs, birds coming eat those dead bodies outside there in the ground there. And I just kept quiet in my, my room. I, with me, I had some uh, food uh, in, my, in my room there. And um, when I saw that my food is finished now, I, I thought maybe I'm going now to die from that room. I decided to come down from that room. And uh, 
I did that. When I was coming down, uh, in that corridor, I could smell all those days. I could smell bad smells because um, dead bodies were all over and uh, they were just decomposed. And I could only smell that, that bad smell of dead, uh, decomposed bodies. And uh, I decided to come out without knowing that the whole corridor was bloody all over. It was full of blood, thick and uh, dry blood like that. I said, is this what happened all these uh, uh, days? And when I tried to, to check the, the room three, I was in room five. When I was trying to check in room three, I saw that the window was, uh, was broken. When I peeped in that window, I saw uh, there's a friend of mine by the name of Rene. He's the one who was in room three. Yeah, I just saw a dead body which is, was there, and I saw he was the one he was killed. And I just came down there. Upon arriving down there, I saw a van with uh, soldiers. Yeah, and when they saw me, they just came like this, and I lifted up my, my hands. So they just came near, asking me, in their language there, which I could not even respond. And uh, one of them came just near, and uh, I told him that, you know, I'm here, I'm from Congo. I uh, came here for my studies at Warbrook, and I was here. So he, he got surprised. And there's no one here. It's too quiet here. So you survived. How did you survive here? I said, I had food with me in my room. And uh, when I saw that uh, my food is done, is finished, I decided to come down now. And uh, he said that, you know, even us, we don't have food. So I don't know what we can help you now. I told them that uh, there's a storeroom. This school has got a big storeroom. So maybe we can find something maybe to eat from that storeroom. Uh, I, we went there. They opened the storeroom. They shot on the padlock, and the storeroom was open. It was full of beans, rice, powdered milk, tinned fish, cooking oil, all sorts of things. And uh, they could start singing, lifting me like a king, like this. And they asked me one question, what can we do for you? And I said, me, if you can take me home, I can really appreciate all that. And uh, they did it. They took me to the border of Burundi and Congo. And from there, I went to my village. Uh, on my way to my village, I first met my sister. And when she saw me, she ran away. Me, I was so excited to see my sister. When she saw me, she ran away. I said, ah, this is my sister. Unless I'm... <laughs> but this is my sister. She ran away back to the village to go and tell them she met a ghost. 
Yeah. And uh, when I was about to reach home, I saw my father, my mom, my sisters, my brother. They were running away of me. I said, what is happening in this village? Hmm? So without knowing that uh, back home in my uh, culture, they, do, they did everything, the, uh, the, the funeral, the ceremonies, they did everything saying that, you know, this man is no more. So they did everything, yeah? The funerals was done there. So uh, I, didn't, I, I knew nothing about that until my auntie came and she could go around me behind and she, she called them, hey, come back. He's the one, yeah. And they came. Um, they started now um, telling me all those sort of things that they, they thought maybe you are no more and you are dead. So I stayed there. Um, about, uh, not even a, a long time, war broke in Congo again. In our village, it's called uh, South Kivu, it's Goma. Yeah. As I'm talking, even right now, they're fighting there. And uh, war broke there. We flee from that area there. It was, we, when the bush, it, it was a, a big crowd running away from that war there. And uh, I remember this day, we were, we were about eight, running away in the bush, in the middle of the bush. And uh, one of us uh, said, you know, me, I feel like I cannot continue because our legs were swollen, we were hungry. But with me, I had a bottle, an empty bottle. It was somewhere like if, uh, 750 meals. But it was empty because I had finished my water. So... Whenever I feel like I want to go um, to the bathroom, I could use the same bottle so that uh, I do what I can call the recycling now. <laughs> I can use my bottle and uh, that same urine will help me on my way to where I'm, my destiny now. Yeah. So I could use the same urine. I can use it, drink, whenever I feel like I'm thirsty. But uh, one of us said, when he said that, you know, I'm thirsty, I need something to drink, and there were no water everywhere there. And I told him that, yeah, can you use this? Maybe it can help you. The same you read. He refused. And uh, some few minutes, he, was he, he, he died. And uh, little did I know that he... Uh, that in that um, team, my team, they were waiting for our friend to die so that they can eat him. Yes. And uh, they did it. When I told them that, you know, uh, our friend is gone, so let's get some branches from a tree, we cover him, we continue. They refused. All of them refused. They said, no. We cannot leave him like this. We have to eat him so that we can have energy to continue our journey. 
Me, I told them that me, I cannot eat a human flesh. So, me, I'm going. Let's go, guys. They refused. And I started off. About two, uh, about two kilometers from that place, I could hear some gunshot. And immediately, I felt within me that it's my team uh, which uh, they were shooting now. And for sure, they were shot dead. Yeah. Because they were, I left them there with this intention of they had even started cutting the arms, they had even started eating him. And uh, I continued. My legs were swollen. I had my, my shoes. I just got my shoes put on my neck like this. And uh, I, from Congo to uh, Zambia, I crocked about 21 days. This is when my 21st day I reached, I saw a lake which called Lake Tanganyika. Yes, that's where I crossed that lake to the other side called Mvulungu. And uh, it's a harbor, there's a big harbor. And uh, from there I saw that he, I, I ate, I had something to eat. I, I was given a food. Nshima, called Nshima. Success. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, the food, I was given fish, and uh, we call it Nshima back home there. So I ate. I felt like uh, I was satisfied there. And the following day, I decided to look for some piecework so that I can have money to take me to, to, to town in our Lusaka. And I did um, some piecework about uh, uh, five days to six days, and I had uh, some transport money which can uh, take me to Lusaka, and I came directly to Lusaka. Uh, I had no one to, um, I had no one, I didn't know anyone uh, Lusaka there, so I met this man, he was a guard at a, uh, one of the streets in Lusaka, Cairo Road. And uh, I had a chat with him. Yeah, he allowed me to, to, to spend the night there. Yeah, but I could see uh, those uh, kids in the street, they're just begging. My heart was not at peace when I, I see them begging. They don't have where to sleep. So I could feel bad, but within me, I just kept quiet, but within me I could feel something was not good in my, my heart. Yeah, and uh, I joined a church somewhere uh, from that church, but I could, from that church, it was a newly built church, yeah? And uh, there I could go from that church to go to town to see those uh, kids from there, yeah? I buy them maybe um, the bread, yeah? We share the word, yeah? And uh, 
I did it, I continued to do it, until it was in um, 20, 2004. A Times Square Church had a crusade in a place called uh, Woodlands. Yeah. And uh, I was feeding the, the busy, uh, ministering to the street children in a place called Soweto. When I, I met this man by the name of Tom Larkin, yeah, he was just passing by and uh, he saw me. He, he talked to me, he asked me, that, uh, is this a church? I said, no, I'm just doing it because I used to, to go um, to minister in the street, to the prison, the hospitals, something like that. And that time when I met Tom Larkin, I was in the street. Uh, preaching to the street children. Yeah. And uh, he was impressed with uh, what was happening until uh, he went back to New York and uh, he told me that, you know, I have to come back again. I'll, I'll be very soon in Lusaka. So I want to meet you so that we can continue uh, the ministry. We can talk about the ministry, how it can go forward. And uh, he came um, in that the, um, mission trip. Uh, that's when I met uh, Pastor Gareth here. Yeah. Um, I was uh, taking those uh, kids from the street to a place called Kakawali Kachaud Foundation. Yeah, it was uh, more like an orphanage there. And uh, that's when I met uh, Pastor Gareth here. Um, we, uh, we are friends up to now, but by that time we lost contact. It was in, uh, um, hmm? yeah, 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 2009, 10, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we lost contact, uh, until to 2020. Yeah. That's how, but I had this opportunity of um, Times Square Church, they had uh, this mission trip to uh, Burundi. I had this opportunity to go there for the same mission. Um, and uh, from there I learned a lot. Yeah. One of my, my teacher at that school, um, when I thought he was... <laughs> no more. I thought he was dead. But when we were running away, because me, I stayed there about three months, I, I knew nothing about the rest of our friends, our teachers. Um, and uh, I came to know that, uh, to hear that uh, uh, my teacher, he used to cook and call me, oh, come, come, come. Congolese, come, come and eat shima here. I go there, he cooks, and I eat. I could uh, clean the plates, take it to his room again. And uh, I came to meet him in 20, uh, 2007 when uh, I heard that he became a president of that country. Yes, the same teacher who used to cook for me. <laughs> he 
he became the president of that country. In 2007, when I went there, uh, I, I was talking to, 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 to Tom, telling him that, ah, that president, he was my teacher. And he could not believe that. So he was just like, I'll wait and see what to happen there. And uh, uh, when I reached uh, Burundi, uh, we were invited for, for dinner, and the president was there. And uh, they called us, we were two from Zambia, myself and uh, another pastor, Pastor Ruben. And when we, Tom Larkin called us to come and uh, greet the president, and uh, my pastor was uh, in front of me. He greeted the president. When it was my turn now, I went there. I said, bonsoir, mon professeur. Good evening, my teacher. And he was just like, ah. said, yes. He asked me, who are you? I said, I'm Elijah Shinga. I said, no, no, no. He said, ah, are you alive? I said, yes, I'm the one. And he told the bodyguard that, no, I do, this is my son. So I want to see him after this. Please, let me meet this, this man here. And uh, unfortunately, I can say unfortunately, uh, the following day, I was sent to go um, very far from town. I was interpreting for uh, Pastor Wood, um, uh, Claude Hood, yeah, far from uh, town. And uh, until the crusade uh, finished there, I could not even have that opportunity to go and meet uh, the president again. And uh, this is how we came back. Uh, when I reached, uh, I, we, we went on the street ministry, doing the street ministry. Yeah. So until Gareth, now I, I, I could not even stop doing the ministry until I met Gareth recently, 20, I can say recently because it's only two years. Yeah, 2020 when he got my contact. Yeah, and uh, he was very happy to, to meet me again. And uh, I'm so happy as well to, to, I was so happy to meet him again until now. Uh, we, are, we, have, we have now the, the um, mission home. Yeah, uh, it's a... It's, um, Hope Mission Home. We have uh, girls in our home back in Zambia, yeah, and we do uh, feed each and every day. Uh, the children can walk to, to, to Hope Mission to come and uh, hear the word, to come and uh, uh, wash their clothes, to come and have something to eat every day but uh, in our home hope mission home we got only eight girls because of the we don't have enough space for for other more than eight but uh, we we thank god because uh, there's nothing impossible with god i know that uh, uh, through your prayers uh, I know these uh, dry bones will come to, to life again.
Yeah. And I really thank God for uh, what you, you are doing. Yeah, you are praying for us. You are praying for uh, the kids there, which is a, a, a mission uh, we were given as uh, Christians. Yes, yes. Yeah. This is what I can say. And may God richly bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, just, to, just to finish up from there, do you know what? It, it fills my soul to the top, you know. I'm out there with the little babies on the streets, and I just love them to bits, and the girls and the wee boys, and just to know that that was, a, for me, a many, many year a dream or a, a prayer. And I encourage you to keep asking the Lord until he delivers and meets the need. And uh, For ourselves, yet we're limited on space. Uh, but uh, we've been asking the Lord, even we're going to take a leap of faith this coming year. We've already been looking at uh, a couple of farmlands within uh, six miles of the city. Um, I'm asking the Lord, going big, I'm saying, Lord, I would love a turnkey. You know a turnkey? You get a house, you just turn it, everything's in it. Because uh, the need is there. Uh, the babies we would love to take into the Hope Mission home. But the government says we can't take them in because uh, they have no space for cots. But it's okay for them to sleep under a bridge. It makes no sense. Uh, over here or even over there. But we're saying, Lord, the need's there. Our heart's in it. We have about 20 plus uh, volunteers now. We have a, a, a full-time secretary, Elijah, and the family full-time. The home, the supplies. We're saying, God. God, your heart is for orphans and widows. We don't have to convince you. We're just saying, God, I'm available. I'm available. We remain available. And we have seen some fantastic things this last week. Um, Elijah's very excited when he uses these lapel mics. And I'll tell you why. When he arrived here last Saturday when I collected him in Dublin, we get home that night. He's staying in my home in Donegal. And he says, hey, where do I get those there? Uh, lapel mics i'm like i don't know i use microphones it's like maybe ebay so i pull out my phone go on ebay i'm sure you can maybe order something and i get a phone call uh saying that there's like one of the oldest presbyterian churches in ireland uh the orchestra have bought it over in belfast and it's a 1400 seater arena and they said gareth i hear you do about the orphans and widows i said yeah they said do you want the seats do you want the timber it's, it's the 156 year old seats so there's about six or seven tons of this stuff. I said, yeah. So me and Elijah have been to Belfast, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in the lorry. I just see the provision of the Lord because we make furniture. And now we can make really cool furniture. And the Lord's providing. But when we get there, there's a giant skip in the, in the church grounds. The good timber's inside the church. I'm going this way. Elijah's gone. Where'd Elijah go? He's inside the skip. And I'm like, what have you found? On top of the skip, he found three boxes of brand new lapel mics. And he was like, this is awesome. So any, any, any opportunity, I turned my head. He was back in that skip. And I says, no, Elijah, here's the good stuff. Hey, my brother, he had copper wire. He had everything that a Zambian would pull out, you know. I says, how are you getting that home? I don't know, but we'll take it. So uh, three days, we were down there. Just, we were on up and down, praying each day, talking. The provision of God. People were phoning, just providing the provisions for this work and it's just supernatural and on the last day you've seen in the the video there's a two wee girls sitting outside on the concrete uh one is the wee girl 
and the other is a blessing, which is um, she's paralyzed from the, from the waist down. One of her arms doesn't work very nice. And so me and Elijah were talking about blessing the way down. He said, brother, wouldn't it be great if we could get a wheelchair? They're very expensive out there. And I says, well, let me ask. So I, I asked some of our medical friends on the way down. He says, I can get you one in six weeks. So we get to that same church. Elijah's looking at the skip, because actually the skip man comes in to take the skip away. And Elijah's nearly crying because his skip is gone. His, his gold, his treasure is being taken from him. We go inside. We load up the last of the timber. And I says, oh, I must go to the bathroom just before we finish. So I walked in around behind the altar. And what's sitting in the corner? Two fantastic uh, wheelchairs. So I contacted the minister. He says, can we take these? He said, absolutely. I says, Elijah, come here. You can talk to this guy on the phone. And Elijah just fell, just weeping, celebrating, holding on to the wheelchair. saying, wow, God provides everything from the greatest to the least. And we're sending out wheelchairs. We're sending out multiple supplies. He meets everything. And I thank God he will meet the need for the girls, for the babies, for the children. He'll meet the need for where he called you to. If he's called you to the mission field in your home, your community, feed Cork, uh, India, Africa, Donegal, whatever that may be, to your family, to the traveling community, just say, keep your eyes on Jesus. He said, that's the ultimate thing. We get to prayer. We say, God, you are good all of the time. All of the time. It may take 10 years. But little did I know the work was still happening. Little did we know that God is building something great. And here we are today giving testimony to how great is our Jesus. He is just wonderful. And it's exciting. I'm going to finish just with this thought. Steve says I'm radical. I paraglide. I fly off mountains for a sport with my parachute. I try to get Elijah to do it on Saturday. He just wasn't biting. He says, no, I don't do that sort of thing. So we're standing on a mountaintop, and it's a muckish mountain. It's looking north out over Donegal towards Tory Island. And we're just talking. I said, you know, Elijah, I guess Matt Redman's song, Standing on this mountaintop just to see how far we've come. And the song goes on, you are faithful, God, you are faithful. And just, we're at the mountaintop, and I said, how far has God brought us? How incredible is our Jesus? And the last time I was in that mountain, I flew off it and I landed at my van. There was a man there. He said, that was incredible. And we got talking. He says, for your charity, do you need medical supplies? I said, yeah. I says, actually, in Burkina Faso, we've just built a medical center with our drop-in ministries international. It's been sitting empty since the pandemic. We need the provisions. There's a church there. We have about 800 orphans. There's a, it's all happening. Uh, but I know they've been praying hard. And this guy says to me, do you want some? I says, absolutely. It's the following week he phoned me. This is only about six weeks ago. He phoned me. And he says, Gareth, what do you need? So I asked them for a list. And the, his uh, daughter is in Paris. She's a cardiologist. So she sent me this massive list. There was ultrasounds. I mean, who goes for an ultrasound? You know, it's like an x-ray machine, these surgical arms. Like, this is really expensive stuff. Within a couple of weeks, I'm standing in the, the main hospitals in Derry and Letterkenny and all over. I met the head of the Northwest he introduced me to. We have about 300,000 euros worth already to be shipped out. And just today, we got to go ahead with Burkina Faso. So I think, how, how amazing is God? I have ultrasounds at our charity shop. We're thinking, well, we could give like a free ultrasound with every secondhand coat or something, you know, or we could do things. God is amazing. He just brings it in. Don't limit him. Don't limit him. Take a leap of faith. Trust him. God is a good God. He will meet the need with the children. He's meeting the need in Burkina Faso. He'll meet the needs around the community, keep your eyes on Jesus. 
the author and, what does it say, perfecter of our faith. Ten years for me to learn a lesson like that. Thank you, Jesus. Can I pray and I hand it back to you, Steve? Yeah. Can we pray? And, and maybe if you're online tonight, I'd like to pray with you too. And we're watching here and we're just saying, God, God, would you do it in my life? Genuinely, Jesus. Oh, God, uh, stir up my heart again. Uh, perhaps I'm in a position tonight where I'm saying, God, you know, I was so much more in love with you years ago. I had so much more faith. The fires were burning. But tonight, it feels like a smoldering wick, God. But even there, you said you'll not snub it out. And I pray, Jesus, that in every home that's listened tonight to the powerful testimony, saving grace, amazing grace of Elijah and that journey, the stories of the street children, the dry bones coming back to life, oh God, that in the homes or in the church tonight, Lord, that you would do that miracle. Your word says so often that we keep our eyes on you, Jesus. Not in this world we see so much around us. It can fill us with fear. It can fill us with doubt. It can starve us of the things of hope. But you're the God of hope. You're the renewer of hope. You're the anchor of hope. You said those who look to you, God will find and renew that hope. Tonight, Lord, I pray for miracles all over the land, all over this world, that, Lord, you've called us to be it delivers of this message, this message of hope, testimonies of your grace. And I pray, God, that you would use us in this hour, in these final hours, Lord, of this time, God, that you would use us. Give us strength, Lord. Stir up the fires within our heart. Help us to take a leap of faith and go beyond self and say, God, would you use my life? Would you, would you help me take this leap? Would you stir up in my heart again those promises of old? Ten years and I'm knocking at the door, but God, I'm trusting in you, Jesus. My home is a mess. God, I'm trusting in you. Help me to be a missionary in my own home. Help me to hold on by faith and say, God, my children would come to know you. My father, my mother, my family, my community, those around me, those where you've stirred up my heart. Feed cork, those that come in through those doors. The value of a soul, God. Everlasting life, Lord, the promises that we have inherited the joy of knowing what lies ahead, God. As John Newton wrote that song, Amazing Grace, Lord. It truly is amazing. But we can finish out by saying 10,000 years from now, God, that we will still be singing. We will still be rejoicing as bright as it is the shining sun, O oh God, because of your faithfulness. Your faithfulness, O oh God. I pray, Lord, that our eyes are upon you in this hour, O oh God, not the world. And say, Jesus, would you strengthen? God, would you meet the needs? God, provide for the orphans and widows. God, stir up our heart for mission. Stir up our heart to serve those around us and say, God, we want to see you, you alone, God, move in these lands. Lord, I love you tonight with all of my heart. I thank you for my friends. Lord, I thank you for Stephen here. Thank you for Nick. Thank you for the church. Thank you for Elijah. Thank you, Lord, that... Uh, you know best, God, and what you're doing in his life and in his family and back there in Lusaka. Pray for those kids tonight in the streets. Pray for those doors to open as we walk through in faith and say, God, you make a way where there is no way. Your word says to knock. And tonight, Lord, we just knock and say, oh, God, would you open this? Make a way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for having us, guys. May the Lord bless. 
Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.